So we, I want to get to the Word of God. I want to use our time well this morning. Thank you, Charles, and also April for the invitation and all the leadership team and the whole church. What I want to do this morning, uh, and up the back's a special lady named Rachel. You want to get to know her well because she'll give you the PowerPoints later. So she likes uh, Asian food but not coffee. Is that right? Okay. So anyway, what I want to do is uh, I want to just commit it to the Lord. Then I've got three key things to do using our time well to build on what God wants to do in and through this church. Amen? So let's pray. Come on, in faith. I want you to join me now. I'm not here to perform. I'm here to say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We cannot do what we need to do as the church without you. So let's go. Father, in your name, I thank you you are here. I thank you we have centralized you. Lord God, the whole team have have put you in the center. We want you to stay in the center. Without you, I can do nothing. Anoint the ears of those who are sitting here, all of us here today. And myself, as I communicate, I pray your grace and blessing upon us now. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So thank you for the invitation. We've gathered, we've worshipped, but uh, we've only done part of what the church is to do. Today, I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to talk about some amazing, uh, provocative words of Jesus that are quite provocative. And uh, I'm going to also show you some statistics. So you'll probably want the PowerPoint after this, a PDF of that. That'll be great. And then I want you to actually put some legs on what you hear today and join Uni Hill in what God's purpose to do through your church, through your group. Are we ready then, Rachel? Can you flick it on, please? We'll get the uh, PowerPoint up and we'll get ready to start. Here we go. Welcome to the best days of your life, Uni Hill. And the reason I say that is because as you listen to the news this morning, you've probably got a black armband to wear if you listen to certain channels. If you listen to certain people, you'll know that there's a lot of evil, a lot of sadness, a lot of shocking natural catastrophes, acts of evil, despicable acts. There's a lot of things in the world that make us sad when we look at people. My heart was broken last week when I listened to Andy and the team share about that, and I thought, every one of those kids one day will stand before Jesus, and they can't say then they don't sense the love of God, you know, because he reached out and loved them, you know. And that's important because, you know, amazing people like, You've probably heard of Heidi Baker, but uh, Mother Teresa, their basic phrase was, love the one in front of you. They want to be Jesus with skin on. And there's no difference no matter how big your congregation is or if you're just one person. That's all God calls you to do. And so I want to share uh, a little bit about that. But I want you to go to the Word of God first. I'm going to read the Word of God. Thanks. I'll show you the photo first. Thanks, Rachel, please. Okay, so this is my family. I have four sons. Three were born when we were working with Apostolic Church in Papua New Guinea. And my eldest... Uh, so kneeling down over there, loves the Lord, being a youth pastor, electrical contractor as well. My second over on this end here, Caleb, uh, he's, uh, and then my third, Jared, who's in behind here, who does some recording with Jared, Jared here as well. Where'd you, where'd you go, Jared? You ran away on me, man. Oh, there he is, sorry. Uh, so Jared's a great musician, songwriter and everything, lost his wife to cancer last year, but has just got engaged to an amazing woman of God and getting married in a few months, so that's really great. And my youngest one builds houses. He's up the back. Uh, he uh, unfortunately inherited my kind of, you know, male pattern baldness. <laughs> Only 35, which is sad. And then I have 15, 15 grandkids there who are basically all walking with God, and we thank the Lord for that. So praise God for that. Now when my son gets married, my third son, uh, his wife will bring in four more from because her husband died of cancer as well. So... <laughs> It'll be 19 then, so we've got to save about 10 bucks a week, I think it is, just to even give presents. All that aside, that's the personal side, but the point that I, I want to say is thank you to God because he is faithful. We sang that and we need to practice it. 
what I want us to do is to go now down to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, I want you to look at this picture. This was from my home up in Jembrook before <laughs> we sold it and moved to Queensland a few months ago. Uh, but that was the lookout from my veranda. One of the things that I want to ask you is, uh, is that sunset or sunrise? See, so all of you have no idea. And the reason you have, <laughs> reason you have no idea is very simple. It could be either. It happens to be sunrise. We face the east. But the problem is that a lot of people look at the world and wonder whether it's sunset or sunrise. Matthew 24, Jesus says this. He said, no, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. Well, deception's pretty much around, isn't it? A lot of false Christs claiming to be Christ. I will redeem you. I will save you. I'm the best thing. It could be anything from a chocolate bar right through to a new political lifestyle or come and escape and come aside and be a prepper with me up the bush on 100 acres. Everybody wants to be your sal salvation, don't they? They want to pretend they can save you. But Jesus said that many will come claiming and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. It's almost just de rigueur in the news, isn't it? It's just painstaking the amount of you know, conflict that we hear about. But see that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. In the Greek, that word is ethnos. Ethnos will rise against ethnos. You heard the word, that's the Greek word ethnos. In other words, we use that nowadays, ethnic, don't we? So it's not about nations as in nation states like America or Russia. It's about ethnic group rising against ethnic group. Very significant for this generation, the last 10, 20, 30 years. Very significant. Want to hang on to that. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginning of birth pangs. The Bible tells us in Romans 8.21 and many other places, especially Romans 8, that creation is crying. And whatever your particular view on climate change or non-climate change or whatever it is, whatever kind of environmentalist you are, the reality is that the earth is groaning because it's hurting. And that's scriptural. And that's the basis of it. And yet God taught us in uh, Genesis 1, one of his first commands was take care of and tend creation, nurture creation. Here we go. Then handed over to be persecuted and put to death, you'll be hated by all nations. 20th century has seen the largest number of martyrs, Christian martyrs in history, 70 million. I'll come to that in a minute. Many will turn away or will be, uh, the word is offended. Now, the word in Greek, skandalon, for offense, is actually a trap. So many will be trapped because of offense. How many of you here today, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad was a missionary in Vanuatu. I grew up around the gospel, around the things of God. And so, you know, anywhere in human life, it's easy to get offended, but especially sometimes around church because we have such high ideals and we expect the best of our brothers and sisters. Isn't that right? And so sometimes we can get offended and get our nose out of joint and sort of say, well, if that's it, then I'm out of here. I'm just, you know, the pub's just as good, you know. No, it isn't. It doesn't give you eternal life. You know, what I'm simply saying is that people get offended. If we were to gather all the offended people within perhaps five kilometers of Uni Hill today, it would fill this church many times over. That grieves the heart of God because he doesn't want us to be offended. If you have offense in your heart, you didn't like the T-shirt the pastor wore, or you didn't like the fact that I've got rings on, or you didn't like the fact that I've got a bald head, or why can that person have a tattoo? When I grew up in, when I grew up in church, I wasn't allowed on a platform because I actually had a beard. Now, I couldn't be a pastor without a flipping beard. 
<laughs> you get what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, but uh, <laughs> moving on to more profound things. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Isn't that so sad? You know, this morning we were sitting there worshipping and uh, our worship team were encouraging us to see things that were invisible, to see above. Song, you know, song of uh, singing about what we don't see. You know, it's easy. Jesus told us very clearly in the New Testament, sorry, not Jesus. New Testament tells us clearly to set our eyes on the things that are above, not the things that are seen. And it's all too easy to live in this sensory world. So it goes on to say, those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Did you know the reality is that if we stand firm and we endure, there are amazing promises for us if we overcome. Amazing promises in Revelation 2, 26, 28. It actually says you have power over ethnic groups, power over ethnicities, over nations. God will give us if we hold fast to the end. But then he goes on to this, which is a very scary verse. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all people groups, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all people groups all around the world, and then the end will come. Now, depending on some of you have different kind of second coming views, I'm not here to preach on the second coming except for one thing, and that is this, that Jesus has never rescinded his command to communicate the good news to every person on the planet, and particularly to communicate them as people groups. You know, um, Andy and the team look at that people group of those precious people up in Kununurra and say, how will they hear, you know, unless somebody goes to them and shows them love with skin on? Do you understand? Don't do any missions without loving. Don't do any missions without skin on. God so loved the world, he sent a person who sweated and bled and died and lived as an ordinary human being. And our gospel is one of humanity. He didn't throw a Bible at us. He didn't stand in heaven and blow a trumpet. He didn't uh, come down as God and live in some kind of palace and deliver edicts. He loved the world so much he became, he was born in a, in a dirty, you know, animal shed to a peasant girl whom everybody looked sideways at, who was a teenager of 15, 16 probably, doubting her, you know, her purity. And all his life he had to handle that. We know where we come from, but where did you come from? Do you understand? And yet the gospel, the power of the gospel is the fact that we have this treasure in ordinary clay pots. Today, you might be a crack pot, but you're a clay pot, okay? <laughs> Today, you're the perfect candidate to share the gospel of Jesus if you're an ordinary human being who proves Jesus in ordinary stuff or ordinary life. You know, I cried. I haven't stopped crying probably since I lost my daughter in love, not daughter-in-law, but daughter-in-love about 14 months ago when she died. We had thousands praying, did everything we could, but pancreatic cancer took her. But that's okay, we'll see her again. We'll see you very soon, you know. Uh, the reality is simply this, is that I know this, that I stand before God with a clear conscience saying that we did everything Scripture told us to do and everything the doctors told us to do, and it was her time. It's okay. But the great news, the great thing about it is this, is that in this world we suffer, we, we, we bleed, don't we? Now, good country and western songs would talk about that, you know, and good blues songs would probably talk about that. And Morrison might even have a song about that, about how we bleed. You know, I know it's the wrong artist, sorry. Uh, but the reality is that our tears and our pain are redemptive in Jesus. But Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom. Now, that's not throwing a tract at somebody. What's the gospel of the kingdom? Go and read the gospels. It's signs, wonders, 
joy and peace in the Holy Ghost, raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers. In other words, doing the works of Jesus. Any one of us can do that because we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in us. You understand it? Every single one of us. It's not something we train people to do. It's something that we train our spirits to let him live in and through us. Amen? Now, this is important. And why is it important? Um, I guess I probably just need to move on to the... Move on to this then. Go ahead, please, Rachel. How do we see the world? You know, sometimes we look at the world and we wonder what's happening out there. And if you look at it through SBS, you'll see some really important things. Or ABC, or you look through Fox, or maybe you look through, who knows, whatever you read. You know, you might read The Guardian or The New Daily, or you may, you know, just, who knows what you read, or you may just ignore it and just get some kind of news feed of everything that scratches where you itch. Bad choice, but you can do that, Okay. Um, you don't need to take any pictures of this because you can have the whole lot. Go and see Rachel. She'll give it to you free. Give us your email. We'll send it out to you. And no, we won't send people to your door asking for a donation. <laughs> it's all free, okay? Next. So what God wants us to see is he wants us to see the world. He wants us to see people. He wants us to see Asians and Africans and young people and older people and children. That's what he wants. Keep going. Thanks, Rachel. So my question is this. is I want to say, how do we see the world? Here are some statistics. Now, I believe that facts are the fingertips of God. Facts are the fingertips of God. Okay, Jesus actually said to the guys, can you go out and count everybody and put them in groups? So he didn't just get spiritual, if I can put it that way. He actually was quite pragmatic. All right? Already India has bypassed China. Already India has bypassed China. It's the most populous nation on earth now. All right? Now, most increase, it's an increase in the next few years, and I didn't put the chart up here today because I didn't want this to be death by PowerPoint. But uh, by 2050, you would be amazed at the countries that are in the top 10 in the world. It won't be the people that traditionally were. America will have moved down. Russia will have moved down. And you will find that some significant Christian countries, countries that have a high percentage of Christians, Indonesia, which may surprise you, but I have friends who told me that they have Christian friends high up in Indonesian government who kind of keep the figures down because they don't want to provoke potential backlash from a dominant faith and the funding that comes from the Middle East, okay? So, you know, the Republic of Congo, Pakistan, Ethiopia, United, Republic of Tanzania, Uganda, Indonesia. It's interesting to see how many of those are going to be more influential in the years to come because their numbers and sheer numbers will rise so high, okay? But also, I want us to see the 500 million displaced persons. We often don't think about that, but God is a God who sees. He's a God of the widow. He's a God of the orphan. He's a God of the displaced person. And that God cares for those displaced people, 500 million of them around the world. Some of them have been blessed enough maybe to come to this country. Maybe some of you are like that, or maybe you live next door to one. Just remember, God doesn't have to send you up to Kananara unless he does tell you to go. He can send you next door to the South Sudanese next door. He might send you next door to the business migrant who lives next door to you who's come from Taiwan or from Malaysia. You understand what I'm saying? The issue is not crossing the ocean. The issue is seeing the cross. It's not crossing the sea but seeing the cross and seeing how that person matters to God. Keep going. Thanks, Rachel. All right. And welcome to all those of you who are online too. So what happens here? Religious adherence, about a third are Christian in this rough diagram. Muslims, Hindus, non-religious. It's okay to look at that, but let's be honest. Most people aren't what they say they are with their religion. 
lots of people say I'm Buddhist or yes, well, I'm you know, Muslim or I'm Christian. But at practical level, it's quite different. So keep going on, thanks. All right. The interesting thing to look at is to see how many people of the evangelicals, that means Bible-believing, you've got to be born again, got to love Jesus, people who, 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 like us here this morning, people who believe you need to be born again, come to know Jesus Christ, have a personal relationship with God and believe the Bible to be true, the greatest growth is in the non-Western countries. Okay? And while we may say, oh, boy, there's been a decline in Europe and America, yeah, p things are going bad in America or Europe, we'll have a look at that in just a minute. Keep going. In uh, Africa, you can look here just in 30 years. I haven't got a later graph to this, but this one gives you 30 years um, of Pentecostal charismatics. That is people who believe that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and that's a sign of the fact that we are born again and that we operate in the power of the Spirit. People like you and me here this morning. Hallelujah. Right? So look at this. In every segment of the world, in every continent, in every area, there's been incredible growth. And so you could look at the problems and think, well, look at what's going wrong here and I hear it's going wrong there and this is bad over there and that part of the world, that country, and yet we may miss totally what God is doing. You want to be people of the Spirit who discern what God is doing? And I'm not saying God is only working through Pentecostal charismatics. Don't get me wrong because if you heard that, that's not what I mean, okay? But I am saying very often people miss the small, the new thing that God is doing until suddenly it becomes bleedingly obvious <laughs> Isn't that right? And I don't want you to have to be a person who's not led by the Spirit who has to wait till it becomes <laughs> obvious like that. Next one. All right, so basically we're up to 2023. Uh, 811 million of the percentage of total Christians. We'll have a look at this. The next one is clearer. Thanks. All right, of the 679 million Pentecostals, I got the specific, the specific figures from the best uh, count, you know, statisticians, Christian missiologists, statisticians in the world. And uh, these ones uh, tell us that about one in every three people across the planet who say I'm a Christian is a charismatic Pentecostal Christian like you and me this morning. How good is that, huh? And when I went to university in New South Wales, you know, I was a 17-year-old kid straight out of pastor's home and everything, and I was the only Pentecostal in captivity at the time. There are, bun there are, a, bunch of, there are a bunch of you know, they're a bunch of good Baptists and Anglicans and great people who love Jesus, no two ways about it. But when I look at that and I compare to now, you, some of you guys have no idea what many people had to do. You know, when I was, just the, even when I was young, and that's only like back in, you know, 70s, 60s, I, you know, people would question, I'm sure you're not demon-possessed if you speak in tongues, you know? So we live in a day and a generation where you cannot afford to just accept the great things that God has done, and take them for granted, even though I'm often taken for granted. So 27% there. Uh, about 185,000 people every day hear the gospel for the first time. Isn't that great, eh? 70 million a year. About 3,500 decide to follow Jesus every hour or so from the best statistics we can get. About 85,000 across the globe every day. So glory to God. By the end of today, there's going to be a lot more people in the kingdom. Thank you, Father as long as we can make sure we shepherd and we care because all through Acts, there were two structures. There was the apostolic structure or the missionary team, the people who went out and evangelized and broke through into new areas. And there was the koinonia. There was the leadership team of those who were being cared for, in a sense, in a local church. 
And so very often, you'll get sometimes you'll get people like me who only say, out there, out there, out there, out there. But you can only be, the light only shines as strong, as far as it is strong at home base. You can only reach out as far as you can have a strong home base. And you have the tremendous potential to do that because your apostolic function can go further out because you have a strong base. So you've got to strengthen your home base here. You've got to do the right things here in small groups and in loving one another and covenant community and church family. And how excited I was. I met a guy 48 years, I think, in this. Where is he? Where's up the back? He's still here or is he outside serving probably? Ian Fisher, where are you, Ian? And your friend, Nias, where is she? Where's Robin? Up the back somewhere? Hello, Robin. How many years in this church? How many years in the, here, in the church? Okay, so since 67. How good is that, huh? That's amazing. Now, you, that may not seem important to you, but you'll learn one day that faithfulness, perseverance, predictability, and showing up is, is the main thing to being an overcomer, showing up. It's actually turning up. It's actually turning up. So, China, 25,000 a year, 20,000 Africa, 20,000 India too. All right, are you encouraged or is this just like flying over your heads? <laughs> Keep going then. Come on, thanks, Rachel. More Jewish people have embraced Yeshua as their Messiah since 67 than all the years up to 67. Significant. Look at the next one. More Muslims have come to faith in Christ in the last 30 years than any time in history and most have come since 9-11. I have a friend who works over in Indonesia, 27 years there, and his, the whole movement he works with is led by and who's trained in the Middle East and who trained the Bali bombers. Okay? Met Christ, turned around radically. They have sent over 600 what they call pioneers, we would call them church planting teams, out around Indonesia planting churches. They don't, they, 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 they'd curl your hair because they're not just nice, polite. They look just like every other Indonesian in a sense. And they dress, they dress just like their brothers and sisters and people in their community. They don't get suits and white shirts and black ties, unless they're going to do, you know, <laughs> on a mission from God or something. <laughs> but the reality is that they basically are out there serving Jesus, spirit-filled, evangelistic people. And God's doing something amazing like that, and it's impacting hundreds of thousands in the madrasas, the schools. Okay, the number of evangelical Christians growing faster and Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. And I'm not saying that's for us to become uh, arrogant or prideful. I'm not saying it's so we get some hubris in our heart and sort of say, yeah, come on, you know. It's great to say, glory to God, thank you, God, how good you are. Come on, God, come on, God, go, God, you know, and give him the glory. But know also that that rides on the back of a whole lot of people who work hard every day, who get up every morning choosing to follow Jesus, hallelujah, and a lot of people who've laid down their lives to serve him. Okay. Move along, thanks, Rachel. So, in when Jesus was uh, uh, left to go back to glory and to be with his father, around about 100 AD, there are about 360 non-Christians, people who would say they weren't Christian, to everyone Christian. If you look fast forward through to today, it's about seven to one. Now, that doesn't mean all of the 2.4 billion people who call themselves Christian in the world may know Jesus like you, Many might be nominal. Many may just be, well, yeah, I was born and I was raised in this particular 
denomination, so that's who I am. But isn't it wonderful to know that one out of every three people who call themselves Christian on the planet, you know, born-again, spirit-filled Pentecostals or charismatics like you and me, amen? And when we look at this, we start to say, what does this actually say strategically? Because I'm a strategist too. I like to think strategically. What does that actually mean? One to seven. It actually says something very significant. If we would do what we should do to those who are close to us, we can hurry the coming of the Lord because this gospel of the power of the kingdom, not just I'll throw a tract at you, throw a book at you, send a video CD to your door, but I'll get in your face and I'll love you and I'll eat with you and I'll sweat with you and I'll pray with you and I'll cry with you and I'll lead you to Jesus, you know. This gospel of the kingdom will be communicated, not preached. That brings up the sense of monologue. That word carusio actually means communicated. Sometimes that's not preaching. Sometimes it's quite a, it's preaching in a very different, very different language. It's preaching in a very different way and style. It's, it's whatever. And then shall the end come. Look at this. Next one. Okay, 70 million martyrs since 33 AD, 40 million in the 20th century, about 90,000 a year. Stats from January this year, 247 a day, 10 per hour. So by the time we leave here, 20 of our brothers and sisters who we'll spend eternity in heaven with will have laid down their lives. Not through a car crash, not through old age, not through cancer, but they'll have laid down their lives around the world somewhere. I won't go into where that is because time doesn't permit at the moment. That's uh, for a return visit sometime. Okay. I didn't say that, did I? Sorry, mate. One fellow believer. Oh, go back, please, Rachel. One fellow believer dies for their faith every six minutes. How staggering is that? So that's a sobering little thing for you just as you live your day. Just say, God, would you be with that widow? Would you be with that widower? Would you be with those, that, that, those kids who don't have a dad or a mum now or something, you know? How can I be part of that? How can that drive my life so I'm not driven by guilt and like, oh, whip me. This is in some kind of, you know, secret society where we whip ourselves to try to get the grace of God. We don't need to do that. We live in the grace. We're just working out the unforced rhythms of his grace through our lives. Amen. Next one. Sorry to jump you back, Rachel. 56 billion, 500, sorry, 56 trillion, about 5.6 trillion potential tithes, but actual giving to all Christian causes is about 945 billion. And about 55 billion is annual giving to missions. And I can tell you a stat that I didn't put up there, which is even scarier. Only one thousandth of that, that is 550 million actually goes to unreached peoples. Why should someone hear the gospel twice when some have never heard it once? That drives me in a good way. Say people need to hear the love of Jesus. People need to know the love of Christ. Okay, we're going to land this plane. So come on, let's move on. I've got one more thing to do yet. Thanks, Rachel. So John Wesley said, gain as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. And not John Wesley, but Ian put in here, also invest as much as you can because you wouldn't be sitting comfortably this morning unless somebody had promised to build a building at Greensboro, unless somebody, Naius's dad, let's just say, had promised to lay down his business and spend his weekends instead preaching the gospel and bringing people to Christ. You with me? We all do that. And all of you in the room here at some point, and especially as we come to this season of giving and making pledges and faith promises and trusting God for what he will release through us, we come to a place where we say, I'm going to invest. And sometimes that investment goes and it's used and it's done. But sometimes it actually 
helps us to build on the shoulders of giants. And I want to see that. Mate, I want to see my 15 grandkids stand on my shoulders. I want to see them do amazing things. I want to see God do amazing things through churches around this nation and around the world. Amen? Keep going. So, Unihill believers, invest into each other's dreams and needs and successes and ministries. Stop just talking about what you do. Ask people questions and say, what's on your hearts? What's your passion? What's scratching you? What's making you itch, you know? What is it that God's put on your heart? What is it that you can't run away from? What was it that came into a dream? What was it when you read the word of God that God put something specific on your heart and you've got to get it done? You've, you've got to get it done. So you come and see Pastor Charles or any other pastor and say, I, I'm just moved by this. I don't know how to do it, but I feel this is something God wants me to do. Can you upskill me? And I'm sure they'll make space for that. So time, prayer, friendship, finances into each other's. In my latter years, since my kids have grown up, Naius and I have been able to have a little bit more money to be able to be generous with people above and beyond just your normal tithes. And you know, as I, I try to always buy the meal, buy the petrol, do something now. And it's not always easy when you've got young kids and a pile of young kids and there are a lot of bills and everything. But if it's not, then just make it a small percentage so you've always got something there. You know, because I found the joy of generosity. I mean, I grew up as a Michaud's kid. My dad and mum didn't have electricity. We didn't have, you know, they just had a once-a-year offering from Australia, and then the people where they lived on the island in Vanuatu actually had to bring them vegetables and food and everything. Okay? So I understand I've grown up, and, and, and praise God for people who sacrifice. But I think there's a bigger issue beyond that, and that's sacrifice but be generous. And generosity is such a massive thing, and we have the ability to do that in our country, okay? Here. Keep going. See the world through Father's eyes. So keep going. Thanks, Rachel. You're doing well. How do you see the world? Now, sometimes people look at this picture and they think, oh, you mean Jesus is always crying. Well, he does weep. He's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. But, you know, it also says that he was anointed with the oil of joy above all his fellows. So, you know, and any of you who have watched the chosen videos, and you ought to do it because it's on Netflix now, Know that we've got a real living human saviour who is the son of God, son of man, who is full of life. And I think, so even though this is a valid picture, I, I also think that he's looking at the world and he's smiling and saying, I've got you, I'm going to get you. You're my people. I died for you, I redeemed you, I'm going to get you back. <laughs> That's what he feels. Keep going, thanks. I want to ask you this question. Jesus loves people and he wants them everywhere to come to him and be saved into real life. You might be able to see Jesus there. His face is up there in the pine tree and his two arms are extended. Can you see it? It's a gestalt type thing, okay? You see that or not? Okay, that's okay. All right, thanks. That's what God's heart is. That's what Jesus' heart is. Thanks, Rachel. Keep going. I want to give you something to take home. All right, I want you to hold your hands up. You've got your hands in front of you. Most of you will have five fingers unless you've been using chainsaws a bit too often, okay? Uh, but if you've got five fingers, as you look at them, what I want you to do is I want you to think now very clearly and quickly. Three, Christian, three out of every ten people on the planet are Christians. Okay? They say they're Christians. They're part of the Christian tradition, whatever that means. Okay? One out of every three is a Pentecostal charismatic. Okay? So I want you to remember one. I want you to remember two. I want you to remember the three, four. I'm, I'll come to that in just a second. One. And there are two who are you know, believers just like you and me. And then there are three other people. And those three out of every ten are people who, if you talk to your neighbor, they're near a church, 
they have the possibility of hearing the gospel because there's a church in their neighborhood or there's a Bible in their language or some, they have a friend at work. But four out of every ten people on the planet will never hear the gospel unless someone crosses a cultural, a linguistic, a space, a geographical, some kind of barrier to reach them. Naya's did youth, high, high school outreach amongst young people when she was planning the youth church. And she told me of one day a little girl, blonde, 15-year-old, kind of like year 10 or whatever, and she said, you know about Jesus? She was doing some stuff in the school. And I never heard of him. She probably did the swear word, but probably not Jesus Christ, you know? And so sometimes those unreached individuals can be right next door to you in your high school, with me? So one, that's where we are, one out of every 10. And our brothers and sisters make up that three out of every 10 Christians on the planet, okay? Got it, buddy. Get on you. And then another three are those that can be reached if the church will do what it is already positioned to do geographically and relationally. Okay? But four out of every ten will never hear unless somebody crosses a barrier, a cultural barrier, a language barrier, or something else. Does that make sense? Good. Remember that when you pray, because we put our hands together to pray, and we put our hands together like this. Please remember that one, two, three, four, ten, okay? Nearly done. Here we go. Come on. It just takes one. Your pastor has a little phrase on the website and other places called, it just takes one. Is that right? It just takes one. This lady, Florence Young, saw all the Kanakas in, Papua, in uh, Queensland who'd been forced labored, blackbirded, who'd been recruited from across in Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Pacific nations to come and cut cane and to do the hard yakka in Queensland sun so that we could have sugar, okay? Many of them were, you know, were actually accosted and were bought by force. Some of them just came as laborers, but then exploited. And so as a result, this lady said, they've got to hear the gospel. They've got to hear about Jesus. And she set about doing that. Because Florence Young, one little woman, did that, you know, she, she won people to Christ and set up what eventually became called South Sea's Evangelical Mission. But here's what happened. Next one. Okay. A man named Alan Mann, Pastor da David Mann's dad. You have on your board his grandson named Ian Mann, who I grew up with. Alan Mann's grave. I used to lie on that while we were playing soccer up and down the field just to keep warm in the cool afternoons. But this was when the volcano on my island of Umbay, where I grew up, was exploding because I grew up there from 52 to 64. Okay? And this building, the school, was built by my father. And there was a missionary out there. There's a church, there's the house Kai, and there's memorials there. Because one woman did something when those Kanakas were marched ashore to Vanuatu, to the island, and specifically to my island of West Umbai, they went ashore singing onward Christian soldiers and got alienated from all the traditional villages who weren't Christian. But then after the war, they said, we want someone to teach our kids English so they can read the Bible. And so Alan Mann came out, but died, died, laying down his life there. And because of that, that island group, and now you guys do something at Black Sands with victory. Where do you think all that came from? It just takes one flippin' life. Faithful. Who just turns up. Turns up and does what God told them to do. Next one, please. That, I just put this in here because we, we eventually, my wife and I went on, after working with John Hewitt, we went on to, you know, to missionaries in Papua New Guinea for six years. And this was just some of the guys and the and gals in the Bible college. So it just takes one, it just takes one, it just takes one, it just takes one. So if you can think of nothing else, 
just remember that if you're faithful, God is far more faithful than your faithfulness. And when you think you're going to drop your bundle and you've lost it and it's not going to work out, he is faithful. Because when we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. His own character and nature will carry you through. Thanks, uh, Rachel. So this morning, Jesus <laughs> from The Chosen, I co-opted him. Uh, he, just, he said, we often talk about pray, give, go. Pray for what you're doing for your four particular projects, main projects, but also give and go. Come on, Uni Hill Christians, give up your small dreams. Come save my world. But here's what I added to it. Have a look at it, thanks. Next one. Pray, yes. Give, yes. Go. But also send, because you can give and not actually send and be invested and engaged in that sending. Number five, mobilize. Most of my job at the moment is mobilizing new people to go cross-culturally. All right, so I've set a quarter million dollar program up online for people to train who want to go out cross-culturally. It's open to anybody. Okay, welcome. Think of the fact that God brought the mission fields home. I've seen the statistics for this area because I'm supervising a lady doing a doctoral, uh, pro, a doctoral thesis on this area and multicultural churches. And the statistics are it's about 30 to 35% are born outside Australia. In that particular, one of the churches that she surveyed, they had up to 60%. This is a church of about 1,500 people. They have up to 60% from non-Australian non born. Now, I just want you to look around. I want just to welcome those who have come here. For some of you who have come here as a student, you've come as a migrant, you've come as a refugee, welcome to Australia. If you experience racism, if you experience hatred, then I repent of it and ask you to forgive us give the white Aussies. Sometimes don't always see it. You know, we don't always understand what it's like. And I want you to be an agent of reconciliation. I want you to be somebody who bridges. I've had people break down in tears in front of me because all I actually did was say, welcome to Australia. Go figure. But it actually embodies so much. Welcome. Welcome. You're welcome in our Father's house. Do you understand? And this place, of all places on the planet, I don't want Jesus to take us a piece of leather thong and beat us out of our churches because we put things in the way of the Gentiles getting into the presence of God. Do you hear me? That's what the tax, that's what all the money changers were. The guys selling doves and kids, they were blocking the very place God created for them. Okay? And learn. So you can learn. Welcome and learn. And this is how we end now. Thank you. Ah, people you know about. I, we've already done that. I'll, I'm not going to talk about that. That's up to your pastor. One day round the throne, you know, it'll be maybe like this last supper. You've got gauchos from, uh, from Argentina and you've got Africans and Asians of all kinds sitting around with Jesus. Now, I know it won't be like this next one because we'll all have white robes one day and we'll all be looking the same, you know. But we won't all speak English and it won't all be the same language and it won't all be same, same. You understand? But one day, you and I will gather around the throne. And when that day comes, we'll, we'll be overcome by wave upon wave of worship as we worship the Lord Jesus. And we'll throw our crowns before him of what has happened in this life. The rewards that you think, I didn't get rewarded. The pastor didn't see me. Nobody saw that. They came and had our coffee and they dirtied my couch. And I'm not going to run a home group again. Get over it. You haven't done what Jesus had done. You never went through what Jesus went through. Get, get a grip, sorry, if I can say it nicely. And I've been a pastor for many years, so I understand. I can be pastoral, but I can also, you know, <laughs> just say, let's get a grip on that and get our life into order, into perspective. Thank you, Father, for that. Huh? We live in the sunrise 
of modern missions. This church exists in the sunrise of mission. Three words uh, prophetically, I think, for this church. One, all right, I wrote them down, so I've got to make sure I get them right. Generational transfer. It's really important that every older person, especially if you've walked with God for years, that you practice intentional generational transfer of the good things God has spoken to you about, and particularly in terms of seeing the world through Father's eyes. Okay? Practice that, you know? Because I'm sure your pastors and leadership team are so fixed on wanting to see a generational transfer of new generations rising up. This doesn't mean you favor one generation over another. It just simply faces the fact that we'll all die. I'm 72, okay? So my time's coming soon. But the reality is that God needs every generation. Two, digital nomads. You know, 58 countries around the world will now allow people to live in their country with minimal or no tax on long visas, two, three, five years, developed countries and some underdeveloped countries. You could live there if you've got skills and you could actually do the work of a missionary under a visa as a digital nomad. Okay? You can find that information out yourself later. God also impressed on my heart that God wants you to, we have to weigh this word with how this goes for you, Charles, but that balance between the apostolic outreach, the apostolic team, I use that word, in other words, the word missionary in Latin is the same as apostello in the Greek, you know, sent ones. So apostles are out there breaking through and pioneering and, and, and casting vision and raising big pictures up for people to see and people go, whoa, but God wants a church like your church to be great at being able to release apostolic teams or receive bands, whatever you want to call them. You see it all through Acts. It started in Antioch, continued all the way through. And, the, and those apostolic bands, there are pioneering bands, breakthrough bands, always there. But there was also, you look at Antioch, in fact, they answered back to the church and there were strong pastoral discipling local church. That's a critical thing as you move forward. Here in at the first lesson. Sorry, you can balance it out. I'll pray now. Is that all right? I know we're, we're, our time's done for this morning. So, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your grace and blessing upon my brothers and sisters. Please put your hands out in front of you. Upon my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord God. In fact, better still, why don't you all stand, please? This purpose. Lord Jesus. Pray, Lord, as you see these open hands here this morning, Lord God, that your grace will come upon each person. Father, thank you because you have given us your best. Thank you, Father. These are the best days of our lives. We live at that time where there have never been more Christians alive at one time in history than our present time. And so we thank you for we are those upon whom ends of the ages have come. But we want to remember, Lord God, that we have that responsibility to communicate the gospel to all people and then the end shall come. So I pray your grace and blessing upon this precious church, upon the East Campus, Lord God, and whatever they do in whatever location, that it'll be breathed by the Holy Spirit. May your anointing be upon it. Would you please call now, Father, individuals, Lord, as you're dropping dreams into their heart, as they wait on you, as they sleep tonight, may you put dreams, put vision, as they have devotions with you of a morning or a night. May you speak to them and drop verses into their heart about how you who are inviting them to come in and be part of all that you desire for them. Desire for your purpose in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.